0: Hello and welcome to
1: Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Erge. And I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. Maddie, tell us about our esteemed guest that we have today. We have a very esteemed guest. Hello. Hi. Um, Her name is Andrea Allen. I'm
0: esteemed
2: as fuck.
0: The most esteemed. (laughs) Most esteemed. As are all of our guests. Um, So before we jump into all the segments, Andrea, if you could... Tell us how old you are mm-hmm. and where you were born and what you do with your life now
1: in New York.
2: I am 29 years old. Uh, I was born in 1988 and I was born in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, oh, so I'm a Canuck. Well, that's
1: where I'm going for my birthday. Oh, I have to so to the
2: fun. Yep. You're going to love it. Um, <laughs> <I'm excited. laughs> it's filled with nature and heroin addicts. Um, <laughs> my favorite thing. The best thing. Two very different uh, vibes. Um and I am currently a comedian and podcaster. That is what I do with my life. Very cool. Thank you. Thank That's you awesome. for being here. Of and what is the name of your podcast? We'll plug it up front. Okay. Thank you. It's called the Hot Mess Comedy Hour, and I host it with another female comedian named Emily Lubin. And the theme of the show is what makes you a hot mess. So we interview mostly comedians, but sort of people, just interesting people and talk to them about their mess dome. And uh, we plenty. We have plenty of mess ourselves, so we're never without things to say.
0: We like that. We have a nice <laughs> yeah. trash bag theme going on. Uh, yeah. This podcast.
2: Everyone's a bag of <laughs> trash in some way. Yep.
0: Awesome. I agree. All right. Well, Shay, would you like to kick us off with your millennial moment for the week?
1: Yes. I... You know, sometimes I come to the millennial moments very unprepared because, Yes, you know, when they're about your like snacks and outfits. But I had many options for today. So the first one was, like, very woo-woo and, like, I'm not even going to do it now because I'm going to save it for my, like, work instagram where i'm like what? anybody can do whatever they no, want no you have to oh, say it you can't order yeah you can't yeah, so save all the good con- content no what?
0: now you have to say it you can't hoard the content
1: it's not good now i'm embarrassed to say it oh. you just have to okay, follow fine. Me on my other instagram that's fine it's really i guess like, you can plug it appreciate every day millennials shouldn't be such curmudgeons so i'm not gonna okay. i'm gonna save that for other platforms okay um so you can give us I the better one my Millennial moment, which just really brands me as like a basic white girl living in 2018, is that I've decided to cancel my WeWork subscription, not in small part.
2: Scandal. Whoa. I know.
1: Not in small part because I want to buy a Peloton bike. Oh, and yeah. if I. <laughs> right no, no. Come my on. WeWork, that I sentence. Please. Yeah. Wait, what is I a know. Peloton bike? It's like so. They like are the studios in house. New York that Lol. does all this crazy stuff. But basically, they live stream their classes. Oh, like okay. I've heard of classes. this. yeah. Yes. But you have to buy the like fancy bike to uh-huh. get the class live streamed. So, so you're like financially sacrificing the we work. They're like two thousand dollars. The bike really?
2: Oh my god. Well,
1: get it? They have like financing options, so it's like zero yeah, interest know. and a hundred dollars a month. So I'm like, okay, I can afford that. That's not but. Bad. Only if I get rid of the WeWork. Well, RIP podcasting studio. It's been a good run. Yeah, what a sacrifice. I think my podcasting studio at home is going to be more awesome, though. You're going to have such a rock and bod by the end of this, though. So let's hope. We'll see. I'm probably going to chicken out because I'm really bad at making big purchases, which also might be a millennial thing um because we're so all I'm afraid gonna... to never have money again yeah. <laughs> exactly so i'll like cancel it and i'll be like content. oh my god now i have 300 extra dollars a month what should i do with it better hoard it let me buy case. a house somehow yeah that would take many months of saving 300 dollars for mm-hmm. me but yeah it might happen so we'll see but that was my i thought of all the many moments
2: well, that's great. The
1: most millennial.
0: Well, that kind yeah. of ties in, I guess, to my millennial moment because I just started working at a week work mm-hmm. <laughs> this week.
1: Congratulations.
0: And thank you. I started my new job that I mentioned last week, and it's very different. I can wear basically pajamas to work, which is my ideal state of being. Mm-hmm. And today <laughs> they um, had a happy hour with a cider tasting, and I played What Do You Meme with my coworkers. Wow. Which is... A delightful game, but it's very inappropriate to play with coworkers.
2: Yeah. It's like I I used to do, um, you know, gift exchange with coworkers for Christmas, and every year I would get, like, the most inappropriate. Like, I would always get cards (laughs) against humanity, or, like, they'd get me some weird sex thing, and I'd be like, what
1: am I in the office? Am I the office weirdo that I keep getting these things? (laughs) It's like, what
2: do other people
0: think of me? Yeah.
1: Okay, so we play What Do You Mean? Because I purchased it for my 15-year-old cousin against Maddie's Good Advice. I bought it anyway. So She now asked me we, like, if it was appropriate it for family. children. I was like, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. But my other cousin is 12. So she gets things that are like, I mean, some of them are so crazy. Like,
0: Yeah, I played it with my mom and she was like, I don't understand. Yeah. Mm.
1: So she'll pull the cards and she'll be like, I don't know what this means. And I'm like, discard, discard, discard. And then she gets mad because we won't tell her what it means to come on somebody's chest. But a pearl necklace. Is that right? Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. She'll figure it I'm out. A she has Google. I remember
0: I played Cards Against Humanity with my parents. Yeah. And someone put down the Bukaki card, and my mom didn't know what it was, and no, no one wanted to tell her. And we were just like, Google it. She was like, well, well, how do you guys know? Did you encounter it in a place that I've never been? And then she asked my dad because he had just gotten back on a, it was like so perfect. He had just gotten back from a uh, business trip to Thailand. And she okay. was like, did you figure it out when you were in Thailand? No, and it was so no, funny. Oh God, no. Ugh. It's wrong. It was yeah, so, so funny. Wrong. So anyways, that was my day prior to this. That's um, awesome. Do you like the new place? It's nice. I mean, it's different. I've been to the WeWork that Shay was at, and it's a little bit different. It's a lot more, like, offices, like, mm-hmm. smaller businesses as opposed to, like, solo mm-hmm. people just, like, milling about. Um, but it's really fun. I mean, there's, like, a free espresso machine and, like, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And it's, like, nice, fun colors with, like, sure. plants and stuff. So it's a little bit more lively. Yeah, you'll get me anywhere with free coffee. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, what about you, Andrea? do
2: you have any millennial moments that are I do swirling or swirling about? I was thinking about this when we were talking and like this is uh, this is actually like very embarrassing <laughs> um it, I love it. it's it makes me and the person involved in this look like fucking idiots and we kind of are, but here we go. it's podcasting related too um Fun. I, uh, I went on a podcast, um, that was produced by Lenny Letter and the guy who recorded me was fantastic. Uh, he does a lot of like long form, uh, like more storytelling type podcasts and he's a friend of mine. Um, and he just, he just, um, came out with a series about sex parties. Um, and I have just gone to a sex party for the first time and so he wanted to promote the series and he said to me, we were Facebook messaging all this shit. There wasn't really any official, like we work together fairly often. And uh, and he was like, let me, I want to talk about this series on your mics. Um, and I, because we've, we've done like multiple interviews that haven't really like gone, d- the Lenny Letter thing was multiple interviews that he had done spliced together. So we've had many long podcasts yeah. where I'm like not really sure what what's is happening? <laughs> um, but I, but I'm like, this is kind of how you work. So, all right, like maybe you want to talk about the sex party or whatever because he had mentioned he was doing the series. So he's like, what's the address of your studio? And I I have a home studio, and I was like, you can come over, blah blah blah. We get on mic, we're talking, we talk about this sex party thing for like two hours. Wow. Um, oh, no. And then afterwards, he's leaving. Um, and I'm like, Okay, so like I'll send you the file, you know? And he's like, What do you mean? And I was like, Wait, what do you mean? And he was like, I thought that you were having what? me on your podcast and I was like, I thought that you were having me on your podcast. Do <laughs> oh, no. we just no. amazing both not host and also host a podcast <laughs> at the same time and no one knew what the fuck was going on? So no on. one recorded it? I recorded it. Oh, okay. It was in but my But you thought studio. it was for him. I thought it was for yeah. him. I was like, <laughs> because he said That's like, amazing. let's record it on your mics. And yeah. I didn't think much of that. And I was like, dude, my podcast is an interview one. I have a co-host. Yeah. Like, yeah. Did you not notice when you got there <laughs> that she wasn't there? Um, and, but then I was like, I probably should have stopped it, but you're such a like weird all over the place artsy yeah. guy that I kind of was just like, I guess me and Grant are talking now. And, <laughs> And, like, we're both pretty seasoned podcast vets, so even, like, I've been on shows where maybe the hosts are less experienced, and I kind of, like, take over a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, I start hosting it on my own, and I'm sure he does the same thing. So we were both kind of, like, fake hosting for (laughs) for nothing. For uh, not a show. For literally not a show. I I recorded a two-hour podcast that means nothing what <laughs> are you gonna amazing. do with
1: that content I mean you should be like yeah I own this uh, <laughs> yeah I want to hear the sex party yeah story.
2: it's inter I mean um I'm going to ha- I will have him on my show if he had asked <laughs> I would have been yeah. like yes I'll have you on my show um oh, oh it's so I stupid like two podcasters in the woods and a tree yeah. falls whatever metaphor um, oh my God. so i was like why don't we i was like why don't i have you on my podcast officially and then we'll release this 2 hour clusterfuck um, <laughs> on like my patreon or something yeah. or you can have it and use it for something you know we have, it was fun but it was just like a colossal waste of time and it was just two morons <laughs> not saying anything <laughs> so bad. That's crazy.
0: Well, not to get into it too much, but was the sex party a good time or Oh, it was to great. give people a taste? Yeah, know, I I, I loved it.
2: It was um it was part of uh it was a birthday party for a person who owns uh like a sex party community. Okay. Um oh. and it's called NSFW. Uh Oh god. And I know. It's like very So will they
0: like bring the party they do like parties on demand kind of?
2: Well, so he, he yes. hosts them or something. The guy who owns the company um has like a swanky Williamsburg fucking fuck penthouse um where he like throws things, but people have to apply uh to like be members and yeah. pay a fee. Um so this particular one was actually at a venue in Bushwick called House of Yes. Um
0: oh, yeah, which is a pretty yeah. cool
2: spot. Um, and it was this guy's birthday party, so he was throwing, like, a themed thing, um, and it was a lot of, like, people... It, the theme was, like, bad religion or whatever, so it was, like, sluts and, like, Pope, you know... It's like the costume. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, crazy outfits. Everyone's clearly, like, on drugs or drunk, and um, people are, like, beautiful and insane looking. It was amazing, but... Um, the main room was not – people were not having sex in there. Some dude was, like, getting blown in the corner once, and they, like, eh, broke it up. That's like a
0: normal club, though. Yeah,
2: yeah, totally. It was, like, not out of the realms, like, of things that happen at that particular place. That place is pretty, like, free-spirited. But there was a back room that was, like, quote-unquote a couple's room. And I went in there. I went with a friend. I didn't go with the – um with the thought that I was going to have sex because of like this is a totally yeah, new, new thing. thing like I don't want to just dive right in uh so I did go to the back room with him like and just like sat in the middle of a room where like 40 people were just like fucking and I was just sitting there being like whoa <laughs>
1: oh, dude <laughs> oh
0: God.
1: this is crazy yeah it's uh, like
0: you read about it or you listen to it yeah but I when I you see it, it is-
1: I don't know, you know, it's like I live in New York for a very long time and this is like the New York that you imagine is happening, but yeah. I certainly wasn't cool enough though, to be involved. Apparently. With. I
2: mean, I I'm a comedian, so I I get in contact with a lot of uh outliers in society, <laughs> I'll say. This is definitely yep. not like polite New York. Um, I'm not like in the sex party world, but I know enough people that sort of dabble sex party
0: adjacent sure exactly Um,
2: so I got in like I got in for free um, (laughs) because my friend like had a hookup but it's not I feel like you can get as weird as the people that you're around in New York and as weird as like you're comfortable with you know I certainly don't do this regularly, yeah. but it was fucking... <laughs> no
1: shame if you do.
2: I'm thinking about it. My God, everyone about was it, so girl, hot, too. Yeah, that's the thing. People were so attractive. I just felt... I also felt strange, like, um, approaching people. And also because I was there with a friend, I wasn't going to, like, make moves, but... You didn't it, want to com-
0: abandon them. Yeah.
2: And, like, I don't necessarily know if I want my friend to see me, like, Yeah, getting fucking... Rammed, yeah. Um, but yeah. uh but if I went with someone who I wanted to have sex with, I think I would definitely go again and do it. It was yeah. it was very cool.
1: Everyone's friendly. It's like yeah. very very That's cool. well rounded. Awesome. Yeah, I've heard that about like that kind of environment. Is like you go and it's like crazy, but the people are always just well, they like have the to Yeah, everyone's giving consent in these like super appropriate like textbook ways. Sure. Or- so because on. if they
2: aren't, then it gets shut down so quickly. Like, there's so many ways it can go wrong. It's just, like, filled with yeah. wet wipes and, like, for- like forms that you have to sign to say that you, like, want to be there. And oh, there's definitely God. a lot of um, rules, mm-hmm. which is important. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's good. It was
0: interesting. Well, very cool. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. Shay, do you have a toasty campfire topic for us?
1: I, I do. It's quite toasty. Um, and I think, and I just banged the table with my <laughs> wine. You love coffee. it. So, <laughs> Can't stop. So, yes. <laughs> Better than my hand, though. Now that so, we've um, since we crossed the
0: fourth wall and now our listeners know what? about it. Mm-hmm. Now that our listeners know about the banging of the table,
1: it's
2: less weird. It's okay. I can yeah. bang the table as much as I want. I mean, I don't know about that. Pull but... down.
1: Sorry, I get very excited. Um, <coughs> sorry, I have this like weird cough that's come on. It's not cool. Um, okay, so I was watching uh, this video on Vice. Um, and I thought since we have a comedian on today, it would be perfect. Uh, so it's basically talking about why comedians say college audiences can't oh, take a Oh, I watched joke. this. Did you see this? Yes. I have not yeah. seen this.
2: Okay. Um, so it's a good
1: one. It was Judy really Gold. In
2: like, oh really? You I got love it. Judy Gold.
1: Yeah. Interesting on uh, many levels. First of all, because when I was in college, I was like the nerd and I've talked about this before. Um, and I was on like the programming committee, but mm-hmm. we had like very little adult supervision. We were basically like given a quarter of a million dollars and like just told to go hire people to come mm-hmm. perform on campus. Like Catherine and- Heigel's husband. <laughs> Yeah, like Katherine Heigl's husband. Um, And there were definitely some comedians that we brought up. I mean, they had like some very inappropriate comedians. And I went to like a small Catholic college and like nobody cared. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like this is a very kind of like new thing. So it talks about how like now this like small liberal arts comedy circuit is like a thing that people do, first of all. And then that each university like instead of having students do it like they did back in the day they have like professional bookers that work on the college that do all the booking um and it was I mean this is why everyone should watch this video because listening to these people talk it's like first of all like they're all from like central casting and (laughs) yeah like the way they talk is just like they have drunk the kool-aid of what they're doing and why it's important that they're like censoring these co- uh comedians i was like comedics that's not a my word. favorite part comedians. of the censoring
0: too yeah. is when they were like you can't make the the interviewer asked them so you know they were saying we don't want anyone that's going to make like transphobic homophobic mm-hmm. any jokes about rape and they the interviewer was like well what if it's their own experience? What if they're making a joke right. about their sexual assault? And they were like, no, we wouldn't book them.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. And <laughs> it, it, would, it was just so interesting. And I mean, it was talking because it's like, you know, the, whoever they hire becomes an extension of the campus culture. And, you know, but there were like two things that I thought were really interesting. And like the first is that these bookers said that if somebody comes on and they say something within the course of their act, that the this person deems inappropriate. They will either not pay them after, which I'm sure for a young twenty something comedian to travel to like mm-hmm. middle of nowhere Pennsylvania to perform at some college to then not get paid would be like That'd devastating. Be devastating right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's like your food for a month and a half. Oh, more than that. And then if not exactly, and then also <clears throat> the one Booker was talking about how their the comedians are delivering a service. So therefore they have (laughs) to like conform to what they want. And what's the line between freedom of speech and like service rendered. And I just was like, this is terrifying to me. And it's so different. I mean, yeah. Okay. It's been like almost 15 years since I graduated from college, but like, I'm not that old. Like how did it change so fast and so completely? And I'm just really interested to hear Andrea what you what's your experience been if you've done the college circuit and just you know how you would feel if someone tried to censor your art. Oh boy. Um I know. so many questions. No, it's it's
2: um I've I mean you've seen me live. Um Yeah. And it was great. <laughs> I thank watched you. some
1: clips on the internet. Very um, funny.
2: Thank you very much. Um I am probably one of the most subversive and dirty female comedians that I know. And that's not like a brag. It's just um, how I express myself. And so when I quit my full-time job to pursue stand-up comedy, the uh, the idea of colleges was obviously brought up um, because it's it's a way to make money. Like you're saying, they have a lot of money to throw around, Um, And that's not common in our industry, especially when you're starting out, like when you're quote unquote, nobody, um, no one really pays you, especially like within New York, most of the bar shows are free. Um, And even the bigger shows where people make money, often they won't pay the comedians. Clubs will pay you like, I don't know, anywhere from like 25 to 50 dollars a set and that's on the high end which is not sad. it's not for like a New York City person that is not a sustainable f- form of income. No. Um you could blow that in a day easily. Um so the college circuit is like you said they have their own bookers. They have they have um it's like a whole business. And you can go, you have to get a college booker and you can go to their fairs and stuff like that. But it requires uh, a commitment, like a a pretty big time commitment and energy commitment to try to get sort of in their system, for lack of a better word. So for me, that would be worthwhile if I was in any way compatible with any (laughs) of their restrictions. But I am so filthy. And the thing is, I, I don't think that... I'm actually not. I got booked for a kids show, which I'll tell you guys about shortly. Oh, yeah. oh my which god, which is a nightmare. But um, <laughs> I did not know it was a kids show. But I actually my I I, I obviously swear. Um, but beyond that, like it's not swearing that they're worried about. It's like sensitive topic matter. So you're talking about mm-hmm. rape and stuff like that, race. Everything's become like quickly very PC. Um, but. I actually don't think that my subject matter is necessarily so dirty compared to my male counterparts. Um, I think it's because I'm a woman that it's like viewed yeah, um, to be taboo sort of in a way. Like I, I look at my material and I'm like, I talk about sex, but it's also sex from my perspective. I'm talking about gender inequality. Like I'm actually talking about a lot of social issues. Granted, it's veiled in me like screaming about cum and like... <laughs> but I don't think that it's just offensive for offensive sake. I think that I'm actually really trying to say something. Um, but my friends who are in the college circuit are just like, they wouldn't even look at your tape. Like they wouldn't, they'd look at you for three seconds and be like, no. And, and, uh, do I think that's fair? No. But do I, do I even attempt to go there or change their minds? No, because it's like, it would be a waste of energy for me. Yeah. Um, I think it's a shame because college minds are malleable. And um, I think a lot of dirty, subversive comedy is very forward thinking. And it's what they're listening to anyways.
0: Yeah. They're listening to podcasts. They're listening. It's strange. They're going to shows. Like, yeah. it's weird.
2: It's like babysitting them when they've already, they're completely submerged in a world where they can be exposed to anything. Um, I think it's actually. Well, oh, sorry, go on. It's almost like for trying to be so, um, I guess these people think that they're like protecting or they are, I agree that there shouldn't be hate speech. I never say anything that's even close to hate speech. um, But I think by by censoring comedians, you're being kind of bigoted in that you think that you know what's right or wrong. And that stance is very, very... a control. yeah, yeah it's very big brother and it's weird. yeah, comedy's like it's in its essence, comedy is about like questioning and pushing and stuff like that. So it's it's yeah. strange that it's been this like big business.
1: yeah. well, and I think it's so interesting too just to think about that now these universities are trying to censor it in that way. And when you know, 10, fifteen years ago, When they maybe they should have been censoring it because I certainly wasn't the type of kid like the Internet was still for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. Let's not say in its infancy, but certainly in its adolescence. Mm -hmm. And I would never and I didn't feel like many people that I knew were really like you still had to really go digging if you wanted to find the kind of stuff now where I could just be like a female comedian, dirty set. And like Mm -hmm. I'd get 10 people Mm -hmm. that would come up. But again 10 or 15 years ago you couldn't do that so it was kind of different in the sense that the people that we brought on it sometimes was the students first right exposure to a certain type of comedy and now so and yet there was no censorship it was just kind of like yeah whatever just like make sure we can pay the bill Mm -hmm. um that's what happens when you have like a drunk priest running your you know (laughs) college but anyway um sounds fun and then (laughs) the flip side of it is now you know kids are, are being exposed to all of this stuff so who cares and yeah. yet they have to be careful because everything is so I they're, mean, worried everything
2: is a yeah, they're worried about getting in trouble
1: that's what they're worried about it's not about i don't think at its core it's about um
2: picking the best most forward-thinking entertainment for these people i think it's about not getting sued i think that like the by someone's mommy yeah i think people have become extremely easily offended and 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 I'm not one of those people that's like, say anything. I think that they're like, there are comedians who, there's remnants from like the 80s and shit where it's like, oh, you're just a misogynist saying awful shit. I don't think that we should have space for that. But Mm -hmm. I do think that like comedy is an ever evolving form of expression. So there shouldn't be such punishment for someone like airing out a thought on a stage. And then maybe mm-hmm. reeling, realizing, oh, I was wrong about this or I've progressed as a person. The same thing with podcasting. It's like things that we are saying now, maybe 10 years from now, we'll be like, oh, that was really ignorant, but mm-hmm. I just didn't know better. But to to be punitive
1: at every step of the way, mm-hmm. it's yeah. it stops like free well, thought. It's very exactly. creepy. And I think it's really problematic now because, of course, again, there are all these men who are doing these horrible things who certainly deserve Yeah, we weren't stopping them. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it, you know, and now with the Me Too movement and everything, they're being stopped and that's Mm -hmm. great. But now it's like getting, I think we're starting to cross this line where now anyone, like where people who are experimenting with the spoken word, Mm -hmm. it's getting dangerous for you almost to the point where like, you don't know what you, you may just, you're like, okay, I'm going to try some new material. The next thing you know, you're unbookable because you said something not just to give you something else to worry about, Andrea. Yeah, sure, as, please. You know, because you need it, I think.
2: I mean, um, yeah, I feel like I probably get a little bit more of a free pass because I am a yeah. woman right now, yeah. which is nice. I will take that advantage um, because I can talk about rape and sexual assault and stuff like that because I've experienced it. So it's less like someone who doesn't know anything about it just running their fucking mouth. Yeah. Um, but
0: how do you feel like if you're, you know, doing a show that's maybe not you know, headlining or something? You're trying sure. out your material when if people recorded it on their
2: phone, let's say. Oh, um, someone was recording me last night. That's funny. You Bring that up, um, and it was right after a performance artist literally. Oh yeah, I saw on asshole. Instagram <laughs> that was so. Funny. Oh my god, I had to follow that <laughs> nightmare. Um, I don't mind. I. St- It depends. You know what? I will, if I have something that's very questionable, like right now I'm working on a bit about white women um, and how sort of the tension between white women and women of color and like the the general tension within feminism now of like infighting Um, and I don't do that bit on shows. I will go do it at an open mic where there's no consequence to Mm -hmm. it with other comedians, because they know, I mean, it's a less valuable stage time, because it's not real people, but I will do it. And then I will listen to it afterwards. And I will write it out. And I will be very intentional. Because I'm not doing that in like a Williamsburg audience. Because the minute I say something that's maybe controversial to them, or insensitive, they're not going to listen. And, and if they're recording me, it can, it can be like, tweeted or whatever I'm not a big enough person that that's like a problem but I do see like there are people who are getting fired over tweets or things that are Mm -hmm. being put out so yeah I definitely um if I'm going into more political water which I actually rarely do because one like it's all such a mess and I don't really care uh then I will do it in a smaller sphere to be careful
0: that makes sense
2: it's also like yeah it's smart to to it's smart to do it in a smaller sphere and get reactions from people so that you can actually tell a good joke mm-hmm. like I'm coming yeah. at this this bit about white women as a white woman um, I will ask male friends I will ask people of color I will you know I wanna because the funniest jokes are the ones that are the most true and they hit they mm-hmm. hit like the they hit the essence of what's true and funny about the thing. So if my perspective is too narrow, then I'm going to miss that. And so in order to do that, I have to get other people's perspectives or be extremely clear about mine. And anywhere in between, if you're talking about things that are sensitive like that, then you're going to butcher it in some way. And you're not going to do it justice and it's not going to be a good joke. Like that's another thing when people want to be – when they make the – the the backlash against the Me Too movement that I see in comedy is men saying that they're being censored or that um that uh like PC culture is quote unquote ruining comedy. I think that that I see both sides of the coin, but when they say that PC culture is ruining comedy, I'm like, or are you not evolving to be funny in our current time? Like, is yeah. that, that it's also harder work? Yeah, it's harder to to step outside of your perspective. It's you have to stay current and and this is not just a boys club anymore. Your yeah. hack bullshit is not working because the standards are being raised and I applaud the standards being raised. Like Jesus. Yeah. A nightmare out there, so. <laughs> There's many yeah feelings about that
0: many things um can you tell us about the ch- the
2: child's party that you oh were? my god yes oh this is so bad um so i got booked at uh greenwich village comedy club which is a not good club um <laughs> i'm not getting booked there in the future anyway so i'm happy to no, no. ruin this relationship <laughs> this quote unquote relationship um but I got booked by another comedian, um, and he co-produces the show with another guy. Um, the other guy knew that I was booked because we had, like, a message chain going back and forth a few weeks. Um, I get there, and the other guy is, like, it's a kid's show, and he's freaking out, and he's, like, can you do clean material? And I'm, like, whoa, (laughs) like, I'm already here, dude, and, like... You Is know, it
0: like a special day or someone like had a like a booked Sunday the club? It was like
2: a Sunday night bullshit show. It's his like a lot of um, comedians do like gimmicky shows to try mm. to get people. It's very hard to get audiences to come out in New York. And so often there'll be some sort of gimmick. And I guess the angle he was coming at was like, it's family friendly, which ew. But <laughs> like if you're going to do that book family friendly comedians like no one's gonna be happy at the end of this if you book comedians who are dirty and then you don't tell them and then you and then you bring in all these families and then (laughs) have like oh my god and i was like okay like i could tell he was freaking out and i was like i'm I'm, i guess i'm gonna go through my material and i i i was like i can try my best um and um (laughs) My best is not clean. Like I'm not clean. Um, were well, there are other
0: comedians there who were also freaking out, or was um, it like just she you? He was
2: mostly afraid of me. Um, <laughs> oh no! But there was like there was a there was a black comedian that was dropping the N bomb. Um, there was, which is completely his right. Um, and there was my another comedian, my friend Gene, who's also like very political in an aggressive Gene way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like these are not. If no. anyone, if I the... could
0: think of the opposite comedian for a sure. kid's show, it would be
2: Gene Kevin. You, I mean, you have a <laughs> l- limited understanding of the New York comedy scene. Yeah, very and limited I, and even... A, but, yeah. like, I told you these people and you're like, oh, my God, why yeah. would you ever? <laughs> like, it's, it's like... It's so funny. It's like hiring... Instead of hiring a clown
1: for a kid's party, hiring, like, a bear. Like, what <laughs> the fuck? Anyways. Well, uh... And also, even if someone is a clean, clean comedian, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're material is right for a young audience uh, of right course. you can be clean and it's appropriate for like yeah adults, you of know? course so, it's so it, it was completely so
2: crazy. A, a booking fuck up like there's a <laughs> there's a comedian whose name is mike Kaplan. he's he's really um he's great he does a lot of like wordplay stuff he's very he's clean in a way that would be friendly to kids and i'm like why would you not bring someone like that yeah. there, but now we're here. And then there's like a group yeah, of people. So what did you do? People. So I went on stage and I did mostly material about what well, I have a, a bit about my height. Um, but it's also me like, I'm going to fuck you with my woman cock. Like it's, it's about <laughs> oh, being a, no. a tall, um, intimidating female, but there the word cock is in it's It's cleaner than my other stuff. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I did my material on drugs because everything else is a lot of it is sex, a lot of it is about, um, you know, my old, like I used to drink, and there's a lot of stuff about like alcoholism. I, just none of it was going to be good, but I've selected what I thought was the best possible outcome. And there were some very offended parents. (laughs) Uh, I walked like a whole table of parents. Like they left the club with their kids. And before I went on stage and I was like, hi, I didn't know this was like a clean kid show. So I'm going to be really dirty. And I apologize. I hope it's okay. And like, like shook the dad's hand. I was trying the best to be like, it's happening. Um, And they weren't having it. I think that I definitely was the nail in the coffin for this family for sure. But they were being worn down. Like they did not want to, to be there at all. And so they left and, but it's like from, from a objective point of view, this was hilarious. Like if <laughs> yeah. you were the comedians in the back of the room were laughing, the audience members were laughing one, cause it, it was funny, but also at like <laughs> the ridiculousness of the situation that there was a table of teens. And I was just like, burning the house down (laughs) trying not to but just like I can only be me um and so afterwards I got off stage and the the guy who the other co-producer who told me to be clean started screaming at me screaming at me being like I can't believe you did this like we're going to get sued. I'm like, okay, relax.
1: Also, yeah. this guy. shouldn't have booked you. Yeah. I- and then once they realized they should have paid you and just been like, go home. Oh, yes. I agree fully. <laughs> and he was like, also, this was, by the
2: way, this was a paid, this was a two drink minimum paid show. They did not pay any of the comedians. Um, oh, my God. And he's screaming at me. He's like shaking visibly. I'm, it's also not a coincidence that he was screaming at me and not like the big black guy or the other dude on the lineup. It was like, mm. I'm going to f- lash out at you. Cause you're less of a threat to me. Cause you're a woman and I'm a fucking pussy. This guy is such a pussy. I like, spineless little bitch. Um, and I was like, Hey man, you know me, you booked me. You knew I was on this show for months. I'm sorry. I really don't like, I don't, it's also unpleasant for me. I don't want to perform for kids. Yeah. Like no, none of this should have happened, but like, the comedian, if you're a booker, that's your job and you book appropriately. If you're a producer, that's your job and you produce a show appropriately. Like he was like, I was like, I don't really know what you wanted me to do. And he was like, well, you could have said you can't do it. And I'm like, no, that's not like, comedians don't go to shows and then gauge whether or not they're appropriate. Again, that is the booker's job. Um, and he was, he was like, I'm angry. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) I'm like, I'm a very inflammatory person too. So I was like, I want to, I want to punch you, but I can't. I just like put my hand on his arm and I was like, I'm sorry, you're angry. I'm sorry that this happened. I can't like, I will apologize that this happened, but I like, I can't, I can't take the blame for this. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I just left and, um, he, the other booker apologized, um, the comedians on the lineup like reached out to me and were like, that was hilarious. And also like, fuck that guy. So like, I felt Aww. validated by everybody who was there, but it was also just like extremely unpleasant. Um, and it's just not, I don't know. It's like, he, I was sort of made out to be the monster in a situation. It was just like, I am not the, you, you put the yeah. monster in the kid's house. Yeah. What are yeah. you doing? Also yeah. this guy, this guy is a dad. He has a kid. Um, mm-hmm. and he's doing material about how he like hates his wife and, and shit and like how <sighs> she took everything from him. I'm like, that's technically clean, but also that's like your yeah, shit's fucked more, up yeah. too. Yeah. Like it's not sure. It's less, less understandably dirty than me being like, being like, I'm a giant woman. Suck my woman cock. <laughs> sure. But it's all, it's being like, I hate my, the woman, the father, sorry, the mother of my child. Like, you're not so, I don't know. There, he's not so innocent in the way he puts himself out there. So, it, it was, ooh. Yeah. Wow. I was a bad, bad situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah.
1: Ugh. All right. well, 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 not to move on, but Maddie, do no, you please. have a campfire topic?
0: Well, I was thinking, mine's kind of lame, so I think I'm going to skip it. Oh. <laughs> okay. um, I had okay. one, but... Andrea, do you have
2: any toasty topics for us? A campfire topic um, related
1: to millennials. Um, or just any current events topic that you find exciting. Current and events if you don't have any, don't worry, because we can go right into the interview, because yeah. I have lots of We questions. have many <laughs> probing interview questions to ask. Sure. You know what? Let's go into the interview, because I feel like we covered yeah. a lot of stuff, too. We did. So <laughs> why not?
0: Um, um, well, we were talking a little bit earlier about how you got into comedy, Mm -hmm. and that you used to work in fashion. Indeed I did. And seeing as Shay just relaunched her business last Mm -hmm. week, and I started my new job. Thank you. Yes, it's very exciting. Um, If you could talk through that. Sure. And I'm also interested, you know, for people, I'm sure it was scary, and maybe it still is, like quitting a full-time job to do something... Um, that's a little bit more freelance or a little bit more terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah. um, and kind of how you balance that, and how, for our listeners that maybe are thinking about doing mm-hmm. something like that, how do you actually make money as a podcaster slash stand up comedian? Sure. Um,
2: so I came to New York when I was 19, um, and I came to study. Where did you come from? Uh, Vancouver. From Canada. Yes. Okay. From the north. Um, <laughs> And I went to college here. That was my aim. Um, I went to Parsons, which is a design school. Uh, Mm. If you're familiar with Project Runway, that is the (laughs) school in which that takes place. Did you ever meet Tim Gunn? I met him in an elevator once. He's very fabulous looking in real life. (laughs) um, Very sharp. Um, So... I, I moved to New York. I always knew that I wanted to be in New York. I, i visited there when I was a kid. I just really enjoy the energy of this place. It's very exciting. Um, but I wanted to work in fashion. And so I, um, I did a program called design and management, which is like a business degree that is for people who want to work in creative industries. So, that I knew that I wanted to be involved in fashion in some capacity. I also learned like graphic design and other sort of computery things while I was there. Uh, as many (laughs) millennials do, we all have like computer skills and (laughs) social media and whatever. Um, and so I started interning for a small designer when I was in college and his name was Wes Gordon. Um, and so they hired me when I graduated. I graduated when right after the economy crashed, which was really terrifying. So um, fun. Yeah. And I also am an immigrant, and so I had to have a work visa. Like, if you think it's hard to get a job as a citizen, mm. try getting a job where someone has to, like, do paperwork for you and, like, pay your legal fees. It's yeah,
0: not going to happen.
2: nearly impossible. Um, but I happened to, like, really make myself sort of integral to their business, um, and they hired me uh, for a whopping 23 K a year. Um,
1: God bless New York.
2: Yeah. Uh, and so I just was like, okay, this is me like really pulling up my bootstraps (laughs) and pursuing, it was a wonderful brand. Like it it wasn't because they didn't want to pay me well. It was because it was so tough to run a business during that time. So I started, I worked in the, I was working, helping them with bookkeeping and then I also was doing all their graphic design and I started to work in production, which is, um, like the handling the manufacturing end of the business. So there's design, which is the clothes that you see on the runway. Um, and then production is the clothing that you see in stores. So, um, this is like working with pattern makers and fit models. If this makes sense to anybody out there, um, ordering fabric, uh, dealing with factories, logistics, like deadlines, um, all that kind of like, it's the kind of the most unglamorous part of the fashion business. It's like where the engine, where the clothing gets made. Um, so I started learning about that on the job that that particular company manufactured domestically in the garment district. So I spent like years running between factories in the garment district and like learning about how all of it worked. It was awesome. I got like a second education. Like Mm -hmm. I completely learned from all of the, the people that, you know, it's also hilarious that I was working with these factories as like a 24 year old knowing nothing. (laughs) Um, they were very, very nice to me and they helped me a lot. Um, and so I kind of continued on that path. I really liked production. It was it's really hard. Um, it like demands a lot of time and energy. There's always problems like you're dealing with physical goods. So something is going to happen. It's not like when it's if and why it's a lot of really hyper engaging, like problem solving and also dealing with people Unlike dealing with multiple different people, like types of people. There's, We call them Garmentos, which is, like, the (laughs) the old guys that work in the garment district who are, like, very sassy and tired all the time and, like, don't want (laughs) to hear your bullshit. And then Oh, my God. I love it. I love them. And then they have – then there's, like, fabric mill representatives who are, like, usually they're from Italy or France and they're all very fancy and they never respond to any of your emails and you kind of have to kiss their ass and, um, you know, and then salespeople. Like, you're kind of the hub of – so many different, um, types of people and you have to make sure that everyone gets what you need done, um, in a way that makes them want to work with you. You know, it's, it's people skills, um, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, so I was hustling hard. I was working for that company, uh, like nine to nine, uh, you know, your first job out of college, like lots of overnight Things before Fashion Week, lots of, uh, just craziness, um, you know, having, like, 10 interns running around the garment district (laughs) delivering buttons and shit. Like, it was really fun, and it was also extremely difficult. Um, you have to have, like, a lot of willpower and drive and passion to stay in the fashion industry, because it's very, very tough. Not unlike finance, actually. (laughs) Um... Totally different product, but same amount of like dogmatic obsession and um big personalities. Uh so I was doing that uh for five years. I worked for West Gordon, then I worked for a company called Lisa Perry, which was like kind of cool, like uh I guess pop art type clothing, it's the way to describe it. Very colorful, kind of mod. Um She was uh, based on Madison Avenue, so it was, like, really ritzy uptown Mm -hmm. clients um, and, like, fancy girly dresses. And I loved that, too. Um, And then my last job in fashion, I was working – I took the corporate uh, sellout job because (laughs) I knew that I had started doing comedy maybe, um, I want to say, two or three years before I quit. And I was living this psychotic life where I would work (laughs) – uh, you know, the full-time career lady job. And then I would go out at night and do comedy um, and get no sleep. Um, and I also started launching my podcast during that time. So I had like, oh, and then you I know. Just, and then I was like, why don't I volunteer for an animal shelter on top of it <laughs> just to like really set it off into yeah. full-blown psychoses. <laughs> Which animal shelter did you volunteer with? Um, it's called Empty Cages Collective. Uh, I don't know them. It's awesome. It's it's a no-kill shelter in Brooklyn. Um, oh. I love animals and, like, those people can use all the help that they can get. Um, but yeah. it was, like, I Too don't know. Too much for one person. Totally. I, I tend to yeah. do that. Like, I, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not doing a version of that now. I've, I've kind of calmed down as I've aged also because my body, like, can't do <laughs> stuff like that anymore. I wish it could. If I could, like, keep early 20s energy, oh, my God. Um, but i I took this corporate job at david's bridal um, oh. <laughs> which uh worst place ever uh, <laughs> just the worst company um couldn't couldn't have more terrible things to say uh about that place, but I don't care about bridal. I don't give a shit. Um, I was working in like high fashion before, and I and I cared a lot about the products I was working with. But at this point, I was like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. They were offering me more money than I'd ever been offered for a job before, and mm-hmm. it was a big company. And I knew that I was gonna quit. But I was like, I need yeah. to save up money. Comedy doesn't pay. You know, podcasting pays in a limited capacity, but comedy is one of those. It's like a lot of creative careers. It's like you, you work really hard for years and you get really good at what you do and you create your own projects and stuff, but no one wants to pay you because they can get everything for free. So you have to kind of figure it out. Um, so I saved a bunch of money working for the devil, David's (laughs) Bridal. Uh, I was a fabric buyer. So it was just like sending emails to people in China and having them buy like millions of yards of fabric and like chartreuse or like soft berry or like, <laughs> off ivory, you know, polyester garbage. Um, and uh, I saved and worked there for like six months and uh, and then I quit. And I, I had a lot of money saved and was just kind of like doing stand-up and doing my podcast for a while, like not making any income. Um, and then this year is the first year that i so i i make money from advertisements on my podcast um, mm-hmm. and I also make money off of a patreon which i have monthly um, and then I will f- freelance uh, for another podcasting network i work a few days a week like producing for them um, and then everything else is just like you know cash from comedy that i like get from road gigs or um, if I do get paid in clubs or if I produce a show, so I've kind of become like a my own little motley crew of like getting I love that. income wherever. But it continues to grow, and like I make my living off of it. I don't dip into my savings at all, so that's like you know,
1: you just have to make it the end meet, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, totally. And like I don't know, I was talking to my mom about it. I was talking to my mom about this whole thing she's immensely my parents are both like immensely supportive of this choice which is really helpful I was very yeah, worried awesome. um you know because I had a career I had like a yeah. good job I had a banging resume like I and you'd been doing it for a number of years totally at that I had like you know David's Bridal is not a great place but in terms of like making money and, and having like a good production job like I had I could leverage that into something else like I was kind of not a made woman because that's like a weird <laughs> term, but yeah, I, it wasn't you had a lot going for you totally. It was, it was not. I the next job that I took was only going to get better, and I was only like I was in a very secure spot, but I hated it. Um, mm. you know, and I came to New York thinking that I wanted to be in fashion, and I did love a lot of the stuff that I experienced there. I think it shaped my work ethic, and and I like met amazing people. There's such creative cool people in that industry there's also like really horrible horrible people um but the main thing was that I was giving so much of my time to working for someone else and I I just hit this point where I'm like if you don't you can't dip your toe in both pools like you you have to uh commit to being a stand-up yeah in order to have it happen and it, that'll be scary for a time, but at least you'll, like, say that you tried. Like, an, it would be a nightmare for me to continue to just, like, work full time and then do it sort of as a hobby and never get as far as I thought I could. Like, that just seems
1: like a nightmare to me. So I was like, I yeah. have to make the choice. But I really love that you said that because I think culturally, we really – there's not – first of all, there's not a value put on creative careers and creative endeavors. No. Um and, you know, I, I think a lot of people are like, well, why aren't you hedging your bets, right? And still mm-hmm. working your full-time job. No, you can't. But you can't do it, right? No. So at the end of the day, like, you're paying for your own shit and you're doing what you love. And I think that's awesome. And at the end of the day, you're smart, well-educated Lady, so it's not going to be any problem if you're like, you know what, I can't do the comedy anymore. Sure, you can go right back to buying fabric for whomever (laughs) you want. You know, So not David's Bridal. Not David's Bridal. Never again.
0: No,
2: no. Well, I think like the artist is when an artist is successful, everyone loves them, and they're like, oh my god, there's like a sort of like a dogma around Mm -hmm. artists, like i a uh, Bowie's always someone that like comes into my mind like he's an he was an icon and everyone just loved him quote unquote but it's like young Bowie when he was like figuring it out or whatever it, it, people almost view you as an outlier in society mm-hmm. like they treat you especially if you're experimental in any way, which I definitely am. It's just like there's a lot of like what are you doing? and it's like, I don't know, but I have to figure it like. There has to yeah, be a to. time where you flail around because you're creating this completely unique thing. It's It it takes time. And a full-time job is full-time energy. And also it comes with the frustrations of working a full-time job. Like
1: mm-hmm.
2: after I quit my first job where I was working like crazy, there was like six months afterwards where I was like burnt out and not myself. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it, it takes tolls on you mentally – people celebrate artists when they're when they're made but the society doesn't support them in their developmental amazing stages job. yeah it's 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 very tough you have to both fashion and comedy are industries that and it's not lost on me that I like to be a part of things like mm-hmm. this but they're both things that when you succeed it's such a amazing job like you just get to be funny and tour and like be on TV and make exorbitant amounts of money just for like joking around i mean there's much much more to it than that it's it's a lot of work um but when you're eating shit man are you eating shit hard (laughs) you're you know you're getting booked on kids shows (laughs) you're doing road gigs and staying in hotels that are insane like you dues have to be paid yeah yeah
1: so Can I, Maddie, am I allowed to do my favorite thing and bully the guest? I mean, you can try. Yeah. Um, So I got yelled at once for doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Will you do a bit for us? Oh, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) See, I told her she could try. You can try. Here's the thing.
2: I totally understand the impulse to ask that question. Um, Yeah. Because it's like, well, that's your job. Why can't you do it? But... A lot of the magic of a comedic environment involves a stage where you are separate from and, and not. it's not a conversational situation. It's me speaking to you. Yeah. Um, and so whenever... And also... Me in particular, I'm, like, theatrical and I move around. So whenever someone's, like, at yeah. a party, like, can you yeah. do a bit? I'm like, yeah. can you clear out, yeah. <laughs> like, six feet around me and give me a microphone <laughs> and maybe step back? Um yeah, there
1: there are comedians yeah, who can. That's completely fair. Who can. Yeah, like, we've had a mixed uh,
0: result because Shay tries yeah, it with all of our creative why guests, not
1: just comedians. Like joke and I'm like, I'm going to bully you into doing your performance, no. but it's like, it's, it's kind of now we can. It's just, interesting like, seeing people's reactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like studies that I'm doing, I'm like, oh, musicians are always like, yes, I'll whip out my guitar. Of course. Comedians <laughs> are like, no. Yeah. The only comedian who did it for us was Mike, right? Mike did it. What did he say? He did it. Do you something remember about his, his joker yeah so oh God he did something yeah. about his sister
2: with Down <laughs> yeah. syndrome oh my god
0: yeah. but Dino and Rob when we had them on they did not
2: well like they're, it. There's but some... they are but
0: we bullied them into it
2: did you really yeah oh they're so weak mm-hmm. um well there's some comedians too that are more like um I call them like joke machines like I'm very personal about my comedy and everything that I yeah. say really is comes from the my very very deep point of view. Um, and there's some comedians who are just very talented joke writers who can just kind of make comments about, like they're more observational. Mm-hmm. And so for them, they could more easily, Mike's more of an observational comedian than I am. He does personal stuff, um, as well, but that's easier for them to do. Cause it's just like set up punch, you know, yeah. it's a little, and I admire that. a, a great. Or if it's comedic- just
0: like a story that happens to be funny. Totally. Yeah. We've um, had that as well.
1: Uh, so. but,
0: but. It's very interesting. Sure. The, f-
1: the divide. Yeah. The I, I know. So I, I feel like I'm, I can do a real academic study on this, which will you benefit could. no one but myself. Sure. But I studied it all the time. I mean, I know. it's interesting. Um, so Maddie, ask another question. I have to go see if my fish is defrosted for oh, dinner. That's great. I'm very cool. You're lame. You.
0: Goodbye. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you, you said you started your podcast while you were working full time. mm mm-hmm. And I know it's become more and more over time a more saturated medium. Oh, yeah. How were you able to make money? And how did that kind of come about while you were working full time? How did you find the time to do it? You know, I'm talking we talk a lot about like side hustles that turn into real hustles. Uh And like, especially with something, you know, you look at podcasts
2: today and it's like, well, how do you even find an audience of people? Like, Um, well, I had a I had an advantage at the start, I will say that. I um, myself and my co host both interned for a podcasting like mega podcasting megastars. Uh their name is Keith and the Girl. And they're probably one of the first five podcasts. They've mm-hmm. existed for fifteen years. Um, and we listen to them. So we both listened to them when we were younger. Like, I'm talking 15. Yeah. Like, we listened to them when we were teenagers. One of the OGs. Yes, definitely. And so we both interned for them. And then when the time came when we were like, we want to start our own podcast, uh, the girl, whose name is Hamda, uh, recorded us in her studio. And, like, they had us go on their show and promote it and stuff like that. They have a built-in audience mm-hmm. already. So a lot of podcasts, when they start, I would imagine they – have downloads in the hundreds at the most, like the mm-hmm. first few episodes. Um, and we, purely because of our affiliation with them and also because I think they have such good audio and, and we knew so much about the medium yeah. already. Like we knew what a good show. Yeah Yeah a
0: little bit st- of that. Totally. Already in there. Like, yeah. we, I,
2: I wouldn't say we were good in our first <laughs> episodes, not at all, but I'd say that we probably had more of like a game plan than mm-hmm. a regular podcaster. So we started off... I think in the like around a thousand, which is huge. Like that's mm-hmm. a huge leg up. Um, so I think that helped us a lot. Um, but, um, finding the time, uh, you just have to want it. Mm-hmm. That's all. Like we both worked full time. We would come in on Sundays and we were record like four in a row. Then we learned that like you get really tired yeah. after <laughs> two. Um, and it was just trial and error. Um, there was also, like, we listened to other podcasts that were popular and studied them. Like, okay, mm-hmm. what what does well? Like, what do we listen to? What is it that we like about podcasts that we can replicate in ours? Not to, like, steal people's voices, but understand what makes them um, you successful in the mm-hmm. medium. Um, so that was a big part of it. Another big part of it. And, again, we had a leg up. But also we were just – we're both, like – hustlers. yeah. Um, and you have to be, if you want to, again, like hustles in the word, if you want a side hustle, you want it to become a main hustle. Like it's just time in as a minimum, as a minimum, you have to work like crazy. It still might not work out. Um, but we were, we went after big guests like as we were getting better, we felt more confident asking bigger guests on. I remember my co-host chased Ari Shafir, uh, oh, yeah. who's a comedian, uh, via email, in, like, borderline inappropriate ways. <laughs> like, hey, Ari, like, so you're in town, look at your look at your calendar. Like, <laughs> almost like, this bitch is annoying. Little stalker Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, my she, God. She chased him for a year until we got him on. But when we got him on, we had, like, gotten a lot more experience. We felt like we had a great mm-hmm. interview, and he brought good numbers in. Mm-hmm. So part of it is having big guests that will always help you a big part of it is going on other people's podcasts yeah like that helped us a lot too especially people who are of equal or larger size to you and their audience is someone who would like you yeah like I something
0: I've, relatable and totally something
2: like that. yeah like i go cross promotion sure <laughs> you know the biz um <laughs> like i you know i went on guys we fucked which is a, a very popular podcast um a few months back, and like something like that, and and I had a relationship with those girls that mm-hmm. I maintained for years, not in like a skeevy way to like get on their show, but just I was friends with them. Um,
0: I mean, they're comedians, sure, like and they're sense.
2: lovely, and I was happy that I got on at the at the point that I was at, at my career because I felt like I had a lot of experience and could do well on their show. That is such a useful growth tool because their audience is all like very feminist. Mm-hmm. Uh, they already like funny women. Like there's very little barrier to entry for me to yeah. have their fans or have their fans like me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a major growth tool is kind of like looking at podcasts that are similar than you and trying to guest on their show. Or if you think the guest is good for your yours to do the same, like that's, there's also like, you can get, you can get press, but, Press is very tough. Mm-hmm. Um, no one ever responds to your emails. Like I can't even count the number of like, hey, write about my podcast. Yeah. Um, it always ends up being someone that you know or do something that is um, press worthy. So like I have a comedian and friend who has a podcast called The Manhor Podcast. It's actually similar to Guys We Fucked. It's kind of the inverse. Like he mm-hmm. talks to women that he slept with. About why they never dated him. He's one of these guys yeah. that like no woman ever dates, and he's like trying to figure out was why. Was Yeah, yeah. And so that was like the his show had a very good hook, and and then he would like he'd go to the Avian like Porn Awards and like oh, yeah. do a show there, and like that's something that people who people who are in press they need a topic to write about. Like right, they're not just gonna be like here's a this cool this person's podcast. cool. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Yeah when you're already famous yeah. <laughs> people write about when you're not you need to like have a tangible pitch and even then less you just have to keep trying mm-hmm. like I've I've tried many different ways um and you just have to be okay with rejection like constant rejection mm-hmm. um it's uh but you also
0: have to put yourself out there because if you never put yourself out there oh yeah you're
2: never gonna get I don't Guests. give a fuck. I put myself out there constantly. I don't do it in a way that's – like, there's ways to be – Creepy and weird. Of course. There's stalkerish ways. There's ways – like, I had a girl ask me to be in her podcast. I didn't respond. She sent me a message, like, 10 minutes later being like, way to, like, leave me hang. I'm like, dude, I will <laughs> never – People are
1: ridiculous. They yeah. are.
2: And I'm like, I'll never <laughs> like, work with you. Like, I was interested, like <laughs> but I'm busy, and, and this is like yeah. – You know, so – that's super weird. You have sense. Like, you know how how to be a business-minded person. Um, I would say um, a lot of people focus in the beginning of their podcasts on how to make money. Um, and which, you're not going to like hearing this, but don't think about making money until at least a year or maybe even two years into it because yeah. a lot of... What makes a podcast good, just like any other craft, is you're good at what you do. um, And you and your co-host have a good balance. uh, You're quick. You're you're something that, like, if I look back at old podcasts and I look at, like, how we were as a show then, I was like, I don't think that I would be able to sell myself like that. Mm -hmm. Like, now I feel confident, but that took years of just, like getting better it is saturated so we're now com- competing against celebrities mm-hmm. there's there's a celebrity with a podcast everyone's going to want to listen to that like you have to be a level above in terms of how good you are um and you have to just be really really savage at like finding yeah. ways to connect with audience um yeah building listenership is is um is social media is helpful And continues to be, like, an Mm -hmm. ever-important tool. Um, You know, aligning yourself with people who can help you um, in a way that's not sleazy is great. Um, You know, there's no real answer, unfortunately. Um, But trial and error and just, like, have the balls. Feel confident in yourself, but also... Like, critique yourself. Be Look confident, at- but humble. Sure, exactly. Yeah. Look yeah. at your work, <laughs> listen to your podcast, and be like, "Is if I didn't know yeah. and like me, would I give a do fuck you about listen- this?
0: That's the weirdest thing for me when people are like, I don't listen to my podcast. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. but how do you know that it's yeah. good? That it's good. <laughs> and, yeah,
2: A lot of people just ramble. They're like, whatever. Yeah, yeah and they think that's um, interesting, and we're not in a world that, like, that holds up anymore, unfortunately. No. Um, no. Yeah, so... I think that gotta that's, keep it tight. Yeah, you do, um, and you'll get better as you do it more, just like anything else. Yeah, yeah.
1: I really like that advice.
2: Thank you.
0: Excellent. Um Shay is back hey, from how's, how's your, Ash- your fish? I get
1: back. I've been very much enjoying listening to all the advice. Um, the fish was still frozen solid. I'm Ugh. a very poor <laughs> homemaker, uh, so I put it in some hot water. So now we may both get salmonella. Who knows? Oh, It'll it's be fine. fine. That's fine. fine. Yeah, just you know, a little, run a little hot water everything. of it. Yeah, good. as long as you're not making sushi with it or something. Mm-hmm. No, I'm probably gonna cook it, but we'll see. You know, yeah. you're I such know. an adult eating fish for dinner. I know. I yeah. had an egg McMuffin. <laughs> I also had fish for lunch, though. So I think it's more just like what's uh, in my freezer, and mm-hmm. that I don't have to go to the grocery store and buy something. Yeah. So, I love uh, it. Don't give me so much credit. All right, I won't then. Fuck you. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Um.
0: Do you have any other questions for Andrea before we go into the archery range?
1: Well, I wanted to, because Maddie told me an interesting story about you, and I wanted to know oh. about when you dated a furry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I gave her the highlights because of the I am Guys fascinated, We Fucked episode. She didn't listen. I was she driving on listen. the highway,
1: and I saw people coming home from a furry event in their car wearing their costumes, That's and everything. So since I've been very interested, so I want. It wasn't like you know, that type hear, of here. the Reader's Digest version
2: of this story. Um, that's so funny. That's like, there's a few uh, like, s- sex stories that I've told on various large podcasts, and that one is one that everyone asks about, and another one is when I <laughs> shit on someone's dick during anal sex, and I'm like, is that oh, yeah. <laughs> who I am on the internet? I think that I might be sort of my signature.
1: I, the second story I don't care about, but the first one I'm interested (laughs) in. Yes. There's
2: lots, there's lots of intrigue around that one. Um, so I dated someone who had, um, it's, he wasn't a a furry in the sense that you, although I don't know what he's up to these days. Um, in terms of like what you see going to the conventions and like dressing up and in furry costumes, I dated someone who had, um, it's called an animal transformation fetish. Um, oh, see
1: this is even more interesting than I thought. Sure. It's it's yeah.
2: one of the more um off-the-beaten path sexual fetishes I've definitely dealt with. Um and he is what is was aroused by uh by fur, like ta- by the by touching fur and being around it, definitely. So that's oh. for sure a furry thing. But yeah. what turned him on really was the idea of me being transformed into an animal and not being able to stop this transformation. So Uh-oh. animorphs is the best cultural okay, reference I, love it. I, love I can it. give you. Um, and so for us to like realize that fantasy, um, since I cannot transform into an animal, <laughs> uh, I used to wear like, I own a lot. I also happen to own a lot of fur coats, um, I love that. Yeah. So I had the tools. Uh, so I would wear the coats when we had sex. Um, hmm. And then we started to venture into like, pet play kind of thing. So I would uh, wear okay. like a collar yeah. and a leash. Um, and he would kind of like yank it around and I'd be like blowing him and he'd be like pulling the leash. It was like, it started to be like kind of BDSM me too. Yeah. Um, and I also purchased like a a fox fur butt plug. So basically, it was like a tail, but it went up there inside. As uh, one does with my butt plug, the ultimate tail. Um, yeah, the most realistic tail that you could yeah. ever see. Um, and so I would wear that. Like it was very. It was very like I almost felt like an anime character. If that makes sense. Like yeah. I was very like
0: part animal, part yeah, part human. like
2: human. Yeah. you know. I'm also like I have black hair and it's,
0: it sounds very like luxurious and like
2: oh it was yeah, fancy it was very sexy. fun I know everyone the thing is he was really really embarrassed about this and I was the first person that he had like talked Aww. about it openly with and I was yeah. like thrilled to do it. I love yeah. I'll get my freak on and also
0: you do have a
2: bunch of fur coats <sh-> sure I'm, I'm like yeah, let's like, use them I already them. have
1: the supplies so like whatever yeah
2: I'm I'm incredibly open and um and I don't think you know anything in sex should be taboo, like you know, except for like pedophilia. But you know, I don't think that there should be shame attached. It's sad to me that he had so much shame that he wasn't able to sort of explore that until he met me. But I'm glad that I was able to do it with him. Um, but uh, it was the when I tell people about it, surprisingly, especially women. I think women like the idea of like dressing up. I think inherently we've mm-hmm. been like allowed to yeah. do that more. And a lot of girls are like, that's kind of fun. Like, everyone's kind of yeah. a little bit well, I curious think this
1: about is it. Very, yeah. I, I'm glad I asked you about it. I'm sorry it's a story that you've told before. Apparently, yeah, I did fine. not do sufficient research. No, that's okay. But um, I think it's interesting because when, like, Maddie was like, oh, and she dated a furry, I was like, oh, like, you know, like the like the costumes that look like sports team mascots. Because uh-huh. that's, like, all of those. No, like, no that's not like, like that. Thing. Sure. Well, that is, is a different thing. Else. This yeah. is,
2: like,. Uh, well, this That's is very, very interesting. This one's very um psychologically. I think it's yeah. it's it's like it's related to furries because the people who wear those like fur they they like the fur. Mm-hmm. The the like yeah. the, um, the tactile. yeah, like the tactile part of it is definitely mm-hmm. the same. Um but this was like, you know, a lot more I guess imaginative.
0: It's more like tied to sex too cuz a lot of the furry that wear the costumes yeah. it's more for them just like a lifestyle Yeah, thing, they like, to, like, less bounce of, like a around a thing. And stuff. Yeah, yeah some
2: of them definitely fuck oh yeah. they're fucking <laughs> um but it's also like the furry the pe- furry people wear like a lot of it's like really colorful like neon and stuff yeah. like this this was like it's not as like be realistic. as close to a fox as you yeah. can be Aww, um, foxes
1: are very cute
2: they are um you know so it was it was cool i don't know i've yeah. had I've had a lot of um I've had a lot of sexual partners with fetishes perhaps that's because like I give up such an open book vibe yeah. <laughs> that people are comfortable which that makes me happy like I'm you know um I don't have any particular fetishes myself but I enjoy exploring things with people because it's also like when someone has a fetish and you realize it you help them realize it they're so turned on by it that like it makes mm-hmm. the sex very intense and yeah it's just it's just a different type of experience for sure so put it on the resume of things my it. parents well, that will never know about me slash oh God, unless
1: they listen they to the podcast. you or have they you told them
2: not to i've told them not to yeah. i mean i i'm incredibly close with my mom and i don't tell her about my sex life and she's not interested in that but she knows that like i tell her i'm she like a,
0: things are going on oh but yeah. maybe not the details yes
2: i i tell her i'm like i'm like howard stern mom and she's like understood that's like the <laughs> cultural <laughs> that's reference. a
0: good comparison He's yeah yeah like yeah for sure
2: <laughs> yes and it's like it's like in, within her generation they understand yeah. what that is um and so she doesn't need to see that i think she'd yeah. be curious to see me do stand up but that makes me cringe yeah the idea of that um my dad is just banned from Googling me altogether. One, Locked. because, like, I discuss, we have a difficult relationship and I discuss it on my podcast. And so I'm like, I, I don't know that you need to hear yeah. my raw feelings on the various fights that we've had. But also, again, like, they don't need to hear my my shitting on dicks yeah. podcast. No. Very
0: true. My parents listened to this podcast, and well, hey, uh, Corey, when he was on, said that my vagina was warm and inviting, and my parents heard it. Wow, that is and terrifying. then they mentioned it to him. No, oh.
2: that's,
0: that's pretty sorry. funny.
2: I thought it was funny. Warm and inviting is a very fun way to describe a vagina. Yeah, I mean, it was in the context I mean, of it like a, a larger or... compliment. Yeah, parents, bro.
0: No. it wasn't yeah. like he just came on the mic and was like, "I need to say, but <laughs> we start." <Yeah. laughs>
2: Very was it, it was it's less
0: weird than I'm yeah it's less weird than I'm making it out to be but it was really funny when my dad was like I know what you said on the podcast about oh, my daughter God. yeah oh, my it God. was super funny um all uh, right well shall we right. go into the rapid fire questions archery range all right all Let's right do it so for the listeners that maybe knew, new um and for Andrea we're going to ask you just rapid fire questions you can okay. think about them if you want you know, whatever. It's supposed to be quick. Um, and just to give, you know, a little bit more context, like placing you on the millennial spectrum and, you know, any recommendations that you have for our listeners as well. Okay. So Shay, do you want to start us off?
1: Favorite book?
2: Oh, uh, it's called black box by Amos Oz. Favorite movie? One. Uh, super bad.
1: Yeah. That one. Favorite childhood snack.
2: Ooh, uh, grilled cheese. One. Favorite year of school? Ooh, um, hmm, that's a harder one. Probably um, tenth grade. And why? Um, I went from an all-girls school to a boarding school. Oh, um uh, And so when I arrived at the boarding school in ninth grade, I was like weird as hell. <laughs> um, and which I loved going to an all-girls school, but the tenth grade is when I actually kind of made friends and like learned how to. Uh, interact with members of the opposite sex um and so i kind of like i came into a new level of like being a human being a little bit so it was cool that's cool uh
1: favorite place you visited that is not new york um or vancouver mm -hmm. or vancouver
2: i would say um montreal in and it's a tie between two French-speaking places, um, mm-hmm. Montreal and then Paris.
1: Well, wow, clearly both excellent places. Yes. Yeah, I really just great. got back
0: from Paris like
2: Ugh. last week. It's the best. The French are so rude, and I love them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was great. Good. Um, favorite television show? This is. I have to answer truthfully. I don't yes. want to lie to you, ladies, <laughs> and yes. it's such a shitty show. <laughs> uh i love criminal minds do you guys know the show that's awesome yeah that's like the number one most popular show ever right sure it's i mean it's super i love like i'm obsessed with serial killers and true crime and stuff like that it's like not really a well-written show it's super formulaic yeah but like i just feel a comfort (laughs) with the characters yeah Yeah. and it's i just i feel that way about law and order a little bit yes Um. Too. And yes, Louie also used to be my favorite show, which R.I.P. Louie. I mean, I still think it's a great show. I think that he was a comedic genius, um, unfortunately, also kind of a monster. But I, I feel the same level of comfort with Criminal Minds and Louie are shows that are like we're all are always on in my house. if yeah. I'm like puttering around. So, yeah,
0: that's awesome. Um, favorite comedian or a comedian that's inspired you or you've looked up to. <sighs>
2: I know Um, you can
0: you don't have to limit it to just one this is
2: okay I'll give you not a a strict I'll give you a three um uh the a comedian that has inspired me in a major way who is uh since died and also is like a huge piece of shit um (laughs) but that's a lot of comedians so uh you can't let that just a lot of
0: people in general sure sure he was
2: like especially kind of a misogynist but um his name is Sam Kinison Um, and he was like a very, very popular comedian in the eighties. Um, they kind of hailed him like the rock star of comedy. Uh, he's, if you Google his first Letterman appearance, you will have a clear understanding of who he is. He screams a lot, which I also do as well. (laughs) Um, and he's kind of, he's kind of like a force of nature. Uh, he's just had a very, um, I don't know. He was. He had a crazy charisma. He seemed like he was like kind of a bit of a psychopath, but he, people say that he was like an incredible live performer. His presence. I find his presence to be um, pretty incredible, uh, and he inspired me a lot, especially in my first few years when you're like kind of imitating comedians mm-hmm. that you like. He he influenced me a lot. Um, then I would say uh, Maria Bamford is. The fucking shit. Yeah, she's great. Um, our comedy is not very similar, but she's extremely quirky and um, she deals with like really tough subject matter and makes it hilarious, which mm-hmm. is always it's that's very impressive for a comedian to do. Um, and then, uh so hard. No pressure. I think. Eugene Merman is really interesting and he's very, very alt, but I, I like him as well. And then a guy named Patrice O'Neill, who also huge misogynist, but, uh, extreme balls, balls of fucking steel. He would say whatever to like, he's a comedian that, um, didn't seem to really care what the audience thought about him, which is incredibly Mm -hmm. difficult to do. Um, so yeah, that's my crew. Okay. I like it. Uh, favorite fashion designer? Ooh, uh, that shifts from time to time, but probably it's a it's between Gareth Pugh, uh, who has his own line. Um, he's a British designer, very gothy. I used to be like extremely gothy, um, and uh, oh my god, I'm for he's the head of a Moschino and he has his own I'm like forgetting my favorite designer's name which is hilarious no um, keep going and it'll come to me yeah. <laughs> um but yes it'll come to you later yeah
0: um
1: I think that's all of our usual I think questions that's all of our questions mm-hmm. so you'll have to follow oh, up with us later phone my god
2: he has his own fucking anyways well it, it's it's okay he does Machino. a lot of, like, pop art. Yeah. yeah, he's the head of Machino. He's 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 awesome.
0: Um, where can people find you? Slash, what do you have
2: coming up? So you can find me can... on the social meds um, at Hot Mess Comedy Hour on Instagram um, or Andrea underscore Allen 88 <laughs> on Instagram. Very good. Uh, oh, my God. Um, and uh, Twitter, I'm at Andrea Comedy. Uh, so... Check out my podcast, The Hot Mess Comedy Hour, and follow me there. I'm on Instagram the most, so, you know, it's fun there. Uh, (laughs) I post some fun stuff. Um, Like people exposing their buttholes before you go on stage. God. Like yesterday. (laughs) I mean,
1: that sounds special.
2: (laughs) You know, it was a real New York moment is all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, I'll post on shows on my social media um, and – you know everything is on my podcast too so just check me out there and i'd love to meet you on the internet awesome awesome thank you so much for being
1: here thank you yeah thank you andrea super super awesome to have you yeah so so nice to meet you guys well
0: goodbye campers bye
1: campers bye
0: thanks for listening camp adulthood is hosted by maddie Yerge, resident youth and shay keats camp adulthood we are produced by jenny mayfield and this episode was recorded in maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber and there are many cool prizes. Thanks campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.